found a podcast where you'll hear the truth and we will praise jesus name we stand for the bible and won't back down from it although it don't bring much fame some folks will like it some will try to deny it but god's word will always stand true it's been tried in the fire still Hello, friends, and welcome to the Pod King Podcast. I'm your co-host, Donald King. And I'm the host of the podcast, Donnie King. This is Friday, March the 25th, special edition number 22, Is It Wrong to Judge? On this podcast, we studied the Bible according to how it was written in the original languages, Greek and Hebrew, and how it was translated into English in the King James Version. In our last study, we were reminded that we are to obey them who have the rule over us. We should do this in order to be well-pleasing to Christ. We then examined the ending salutation of the author of Hebrews and closely considered his closing remarks. After all this time, we have come to the end of the book of Hebrews. In today's episode, we try to answer a question that has befuddled many people through the years. The question we speak of, is it wrong for people to judge? We look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 4 closely, and then we bring in many other scriptures and several points concerning this topic. Hang on to your hat today because you just might be surprised by the final answer at the end. Now for the teaching of God's Word and the lesson for today. I'll turn it to the host of our Pod King podcast, our pastor, Brother Donnie King. Thank you for joining us today. We're certainly excited about the topic that has been sent in. The question that was sent in is this, is it wrong to judge? It certainly appears this is what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 7. Well, this question has been debated for some time, and I'd like to rephrase that statement and say that the ideology behind this thought has been promoted for a long time. There's many different viewpoints concerning the correct answer. Yeah, well, most of the consensus, though, in our day would point to the fact that it's not right to judge someone at all. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. It's wrong to judge. And as a matter of fact, this thinking is closely related to the tolerance movement of today. Can you define what you mean by tolerance movement? Well, yeah, it's basically the whole the whole world system's way of thinking. What they do is they begin to talk about, you must tolerate what I do, and you can't judge me for what I do. You have to accept me. You have to accept what I believe, and you're wrong if you judge me or if you disagree. Many people love to quote Matthew 7 where Jesus says, to judge not. Is this the correct way to interpret these scriptures? Well, let me read you the setting, and then I'm going to read a few other verses along with it, and then we're going to comment on these as we go. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 3, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote of thine own eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Going down to verse 6, Jesus says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Going down to verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. 
Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Surprisingly, this line of thought, you can't judge, you can't judge me, it's come into many of our Pentecostal and holiness churches in recent years. It's come in under the guise of unity at any cost. Many people are willing to accept almost anything if it will promote unity. Well, that's true. And and don't misunderstand me here. I believe we need unity. I believe it's a missing element among a lot of our churches. But we're not to seek for just any or all unity. What if everyone unified together on the idea that you ought to be hanged? Should we all be in unity on that? I think it changes the scenario at that point. Now we've come to a unity that individuals would not care for. That's right. Several Christians today say that God commands us to have unity, and they cite Psalms 133 as their textual proof on this. Well, and there's nothing wrong with Psalm 133, and Psalm 133 does promote unity. Let me read you this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then he gives a description of what it's like. Like It's like the precious ointment that was upon the head that ran down the beard. Even Aaron's beard went to the skirts of his garments. There's nothing wrong with unity. I'm not against unity. I'm not anti-unity. That's all great. But it's taken this portion of scripture out of context to say that God commands us to be in unity with one another no matter what. I think that Paul deals with the same idea in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, where he stresses our need of unity, but he says it's the unity of the Spirit that we need. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In the secular world, we're told we must tolerate everyone's beliefs and lifestyles, and their reasoning is that it is morally wrong to judge people. You see, there's only a few things that this world will actually call wrong, and when you call sin wrong, they feel like you're wrong. So they can't tolerate you not tolerating them. And they prefer to use the word discriminate because it's more of a legal term now. They like discriminate or discrimination much better than judge or judging, but they do use them both interchangeably. This is coming to some of our churches because many of the preachers are proclaiming the need for unity, regardless of how people believe and regardless of how they live. Well, that's true, and I've seen that. and Well, we all have. We've all seen that where it doesn't really matter what you do. We're just going to have unity. We're going to worship and go to heaven together no matter if you've murdered someone, stole something. doesn't matter what you've done. We're just going to all go to heaven together. Most churches prefer to use a different terminology also. Now, unity is the word they like, but it doesn't sound as good because the world is using unity and a unified message. So the churches have started using partiality and favoritism as code words for this kind of unity. And before I begin, allow me to affirm that there's many types of discrimination that is wrong, but not all discrimination is wrong. Let me say this. Unity is needed. But not all unity is necessary. Showing favoritism and partiality is wrong on many counts, but it's not wrong on every count. Judging can be a bad thing. It's also a necessary thing as well. Would you explain what you mean by those statements? Well, yeah, I, I believe I need to clarify it for you and for the audience. Yeah. 
to prefer to eat fish over chicken is a form of discrimination if you want to get technical. Okay. If a 16-year-old comes up with no experience and applies for a manager's position and a 45-year-old with 15 years of experience applied, is it discrimination if I hire the experienced person? Not at all. That's just smart business dealings. But I preferred one above another, and so that's discrimination. You know, if you want to get technical, to say that you like pizza better than you like asparagus is a form of favoritism. You're picking your favorite over something else. If you always ate at the same restaurant, isn't that showing partiality over all the other eateries that's available? Yeah, I guess, but it's just what I like. (laughs) That's true, but see, you said a key thing. Uh It's what you like. And if I like it, I think it's right. If I don't like it, it must be wrong. So if everyone has unity, but that unity is for all people to bow down and worship an idol, that unity is wrong. All right, so now we've come back full circle to our topic and judging. Is it right or is it wrong? Okay, let me give you a little story with some background that ties in with this. Several years ago, I went with a group of street preachers to minister in Fetful, Arkansas. A couple of the men wore sandwich board signs with scriptures on the front and back. We went down to Dixon Street, right down the road from the college campus, and we're standing there. There's all kinds of bars and nightclubs and stuff down that street, and we just set up there on a street corner. We'd only been out there for a matter of minutes when a young woman came out of one of the bars, and she saw us standing there. She heard what we were saying, so she turns around, she goes back inside for a few minutes, and then she came back out with a handmade sign. You'll never guess what that sign had on it. It had Matthew 7 and 1, Judge Not, wrote on it. She stood behind us. She got over beside us. She held the sign up. She held it just at her waist, but she heckled us. She cussed us, and she made quite a fuss. I kind of got the idea that she didn't approve of what we were doing. (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. But there's one huge problem here. If Matthew 7 and 1 means what she and many other people believe that it does, this young lady was right. That would also mean that you who were preaching were in the wrong. That's true. So all of us preachers out there trying to spread the gospel were in the wrong, and this nearly drunken college girl was the only one who knew how to interpret the Bible verse correctly. Does that even make sense? No, it don't. Let me ask you a question. Were we really in the wrong by going out to preach to the unchurched? Not at all. Were we guilty of judging these people by preaching a message of repentance to them? No. Were we wrong to assume that they were sinners who were coming out of bars, nearly drunk and drunken, drugged up, and some of them acting very lustful? No, sir. Isn't this one of the ways the devil is silencing the church's voice in the world? By making sure that the only place the gospel is preached is within our churches. That's been an effort of the devil for several years now is to get everybody to make their religion, their salvation personal. Keep it confined to your home. Keep it confined to your church. You can live and believe anything you want to. Just don't force it on me. Yeah. All the while they're doing this, they have forced homosexuality and abortion and all kind of offensive lifestyles on us and told us, you've got to tolerate us. You've got to accept what we believe. So nearly every sinner that I've ever tried to witness to has thrown Matthew 7 and 1 and Romans 2 and 1 at me. Now, let me read you Romans 2 and 1 and show you how well it goes with Matthew 7 and 1. Matthew 7 and 1 says, judge not that you be not judged. Romans 2 and 1 says, therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. 
for thou that judgest doest the same things. How is it that all of these people that are lost, but they know these scriptures, how do they know these, but they fail to know the ones that condemn the sins they're committing? All right, so the question persists. Is it right to judge or is it wrong to judge? If we were to take Jesus' statement literally, thou shalt not judge is basically the way it's worded, but he said, judge not that you be not judged. So if we were to take it and make it sound like one of the Ten Commandments, the 11th commandment, if you will, thou shalt not judge, that would mean that we could never use our critical thinking faculties again. That means that we could never notice that a person is wicked or that they're good because that's making a judgment. We couldn't acknowledge that someone appears to be dangerous. If you were standing on the street corner and you looked up and you seen a man with a knife in one hand and a Uzi in the other hand heading towards the bank, you would be wrong to make a judgment. He looks like he's up to no good. Yeah. Okay. So in order to do that, you've got to make a judgment. We would have to turn a blind eye to all wrongdoing and to every sin. In other words, we would no longer be able to use discernment. Well, what good is the gift of discernment if it's wrong to judge someone or something? It has very little use to anyone if you can't use it. I want to take just a few minutes, and I want you to think about some of the ramifications of what this would mean if we were to totally quit judging in any form or any fashion. That means that all parents would have to believe everything their children say unto them. Some of them already do that. Well, <laughs> that's very true. But if you were to accuse your child of lying to you, then you would be guilty of judging them. Even though they totally lied, you feel like they lied, for you to say that, you would be judging. That is true. Every boss would have to believe every excuse by their employers. Your grandmother passed away. Isn't this the seventh one this month? I sure hate to hear that. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> I, I worked with one guy, and he honestly had four grandmothers pass away in a month and a half period. And the boss asked him one day, he said, man, how are you having so many grandmothers pass away? He said, I only had two grandmothers myself. He said, we had a big family. Yeah. <laughs> Think of it this way. All pastors would have to allow anything and everything to go on. It wouldn't matter what it was was who are you to judge all sin would be free and available for who would be so foolish as to judge you for doing those things that you're doing well couldn't we say that if a preacher declares something is wrong he just made a judgment you absolutely did and and that's the same for anybody whether he's a preacher or not but do you see how catastrophic this would be in a hurry yes we would lose the power of determining truth over error if we can't judge we'd have to believe everything we read and hear i guess well, the news media wants you to do that anyway. Well, that's true. They're trying their best to get everybody to believe whatever narrative they're pushing. And if they can say fake, false news, fake news, if they could holler that out over everything else that's good, then you have your voice silenced. That's right. We couldn't decide if a thing was good or evil without making some sort of judgment. All right. Let me give you a scenario. This guy just gets out of prison for molesting children, and he admits to being a pedophile. Mm -hmm. But he applies for a job at a daycare center. Do you see anything wrong with that? Yeah, really. Uh, no one in the right mind would go along with that, I don't think. But hold on. Judging's wrong, so we shouldn't assume that he would do something bad. The world would say that it's even worse for you to judge the man than the sins that the man is guilty of. Okay. You know it isn't right to judge anyone, not even a guy like that. So how could anyone truly know right from wrong without some form of judgment? 
When Paul said that we are to come out from among the world, how can we do that unless we know what the world is? That's right. He also told us to be a separate people. But how on earth could we do this without using some form of judgment? Well, you couldn't. How how can you be separate from everybody else? That's right. How would we know the difference between pagans and Christians? If it's wrong to judge, why do we even put Pentecostal or holiness on our church signs? Well, isn't that a form of judging? Yes, it is. By saying I'm Pentecostal or I'm holiness, I have just made a judgment because I've declared myself different than others because not everybody's Pentecostal, not everybody's holiness. So I made a judgment, and in that judgment, I'm saying something. Yeah. Well, what does that make everyone else then? Exactly. And that's what the world doesn't like about it. Uh If you say, I am a Christian, that automatically lets everybody know you believe in Jesus Christ. You will believe that he's the only way to heaven. Therefore, now you've excluded everybody else. You just judged by saying, I'm a Christian. That's true. Are we not judgmental by showing a separation in our clothing and in our dress? Yeah, you could say that. We can't make a difference between the genders when judging is wrong. You see the agenda that they're pushing right now? Yeah. There's 60 something genders, they say, yeah. even though God only created two of them. So that lets me know the devil created the other 60 something. That's right. <laughs> but I just made a judgment to say that, if you don't mind me saying yeah. so. Yeah, that's true. We can't say that it's wrong for a man to look like or act like a woman because guess what that is? Judging. We can't say it's wrong for a woman to dress like a man because... You can't judge. All right. So to say it's wrong for a girl to believe that she was born a girl, but she's really a guy, that's kind of wrong too, wouldn't it? Yes. So you can't tell the teenage boy that he's not a gender-fluid, non-binary fox either. No, No, maybe not. I've actually had people tell me that that's what they were. Now, how wacky can you get? But, excuse me, I'm just making a judgment here. Don't judge. So to preach anything as a sin would be wrong. Because if you declare something, it is a sin, then you're guilty of making a judgment. How could we fulfill Jesus' command that our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees? Well, we got to evaluate the performance of those groups in order to obey Jesus's teaching. How do you know you're doing better than them unless you're judged somehow? How else would you know that you're following through with what he commanded you? Why would Jesus tell us to do something that involved judging if judging is so bad? That's the question I'd like to ask the people who say it's wrong to judge. That's right. Did Jesus, the only sinless person that's ever lived, Tell us to break the holy grail of beliefs of thou shalt not judge, judge not, that you be not judged. Hmm. If Jesus told us to do something wrong, then maybe Jesus is not sinless either. And if Jesus would tell you to do something wrong, he might have done wrong. And if he did wrong, huh, what does that mean? Don't be judging. You see where this goes, don't you? It takes us to from thou shalt not judge and judge not that you be not judged to tearing Jesus from his deity position and making him a man just like we are. So do you see how all of these false teachings of our day tied together in destroying the deity of our Lord and Savior? Could I say this without making someone mad? Probably not, but I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) This is what discrimination, favoritism, partiality, tolerance, unity, and judging promotes. When you hear the world talk about these these topics, what they're doing is they are misconstruing them from their original meanings. 
immediately after Jesus taught against judging in Matthew chapter 7, he tells us not to give that which is holy to the dogs. He told us not to cast our pearls before the swine. How could we know the difference without making a sound judgment? Yeah. How do you know the difference between what's holy and what's unholy? Well, you've got to judge, don't you? (laughs) How do you determine what a dog is? Don't you have to make a determination and discernment and judge? And you look at it, it's got four legs, it's furry, it's got perky ears, and may have floppy ears, but it barks. So I think that's a dog. You just made a judgment. I'd say it's a dog. Yeah. Well, they've always said if it looks like a duck, it walks Mm -hmm. like a duck, and it quacks like a duck, it It must be a duck. There you go. (laughs) How would you detect the difference between a pearl and a swine? Yeah. How would you know the difference between a pearl and a a pig? I mean, you got to make some kind of judgment here. That's right. You must know these differences, and to know these differences, you must have discernment and make a judgment. Jesus went on to warn the people against false prophets, too. Well, he did, and that's why I read the verses that I did right here in that famous Matthew chapter 7 where judge not is promoted. There's many, many scriptures that these people will have to do something with. How would anyone know the difference between a true prophet and a false prophet unless some form of judgment was put forth? He then tells us that we will know people by their fruits. What does Jesus mean by fruits? Well, when he speaks of fruits in the Bible, he's speaking of people's actions, their their deeds, the things that they do. What he was telling us is you can determine a good apple from a bad apple. But to do that, guess what? You got to do the unthinkable. That's right. You got to make some kind of judgment. So before we close this study, I want to leave you with just a few scriptures. I'm going to read you a few, and I'm going to make just a couple of small comments here or there. The following is just a small example of what the Bible says about judging. I'm not going to go and read this whole passage. Numbers 11 and 16 through 25, though, tells us that God begins to move on Moses to set 70 men over the congregation. Guess what these men were supposed to do? Judge. They were to judge the nation of Israel. Uh And as a matter of fact, it's really technical because he told them they would judge between man and man. If a man came to him and said, hey, this man stole my sheep, then they would have to make a decision and judge whether the one man told the truth or the other man lied Mm -hmm. or the other man stole. Yeah. So God set several people over Israel through the years who judged the nation. Just read the book of Judges, if you will. (laughs) Pardon my pun (laughs) on the word. But in Luke 7 and 43, I want to read you this and see if you don't get somewhat confused if you've got judge not stuck in your brain. Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave the most. And he said unto him, speaking of Jesus, thou hast rightly judged How can you judge right if if it's wrong to judge? Yeah. Why did Jesus go ahead and say, hey, you judged right? Why didn't he rebuke him and say, "Uh uh-uh, judge not, Simon? That's right. So let's go to John 7 and 24. Now, this is Jesus speaking just straight out and says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. How righteous could our judgment be if it's wrong to judge? Well, that's the irony of the whole thing right here. Jesus said in Matthew 7, judge not that you be not judged. But here in John 7, he says, judge righteous judgment. 
How can you not judge but do righteous judgment at the same time? And now we have somebody that'll stand up and say, yeah, well, the Bible contradicts itself. Here's perfect proof. Jesus said it one time not to do it, and he said it this time to do it. So they take it completely out of context without thinking about it. Let me read you 1 Corinthians 2 and 15. This is the apostle Paul. Many people tout him as one of the greatest men that ever lived beside Jesus Christ and John the Baptist. The apostle Paul said, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Are spiritual people an exception to the rule of judge not? Well, it almost appears that way. If you got to believe that to judge is a soul damning sin, then only spiritual people must be able to do that, according to Paul. Let me go on a little bit further in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 3, and read you another scripture. He said, For I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. Was Paul part of an exclusive club? That had the right to judge others? Yeah, I'm a member of the judging club. (laughs) No, right here we realize that Paul was only doing that which God had given him the ability to do. He was using his mind in the manner that he needed to. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 6 and 2. Paul asked a sobering question here. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, Are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Okay, what does that mean? Okay, there's several things to take away from this verse right here, and I believe you can take this one phrase two different ways, and one is a lot better to take it than the other. First, you could say that when Paul said the saints shall judge the world, number one, saints is referring to Christians, and he's saying that they can judge. Is he saying that they can judge who or what is the world or who or what is worldly? Or what I feel like is the actual interpretation of this is that the people who live right, those saints, will stand as a judgment against those who live ungodly in this world. In other words, by you living right, you are judging that there's a good way to live. And by other people not living right, your life stands in judgment against those other people. They cannot say, I didn't know how to do right because there's still people on the earth who do right. Or it could have a third meaning that when we get to heaven, that the saints, those that are saved, will be sitting at the judgment seat judging who gets into heaven. But we don't believe that either. All right. So now Paul said that if God is going to entrust you with the ability and the job to judge the world, are you not worthy to judge the smallest matters? Can't you make decisions for yourself? Can't you decide some of these things on your own? And 1 Corinthians 11 and 13 Paul says, judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Once again, how can Paul tell us to judge when Jesus told us not to judge? I believe that it should be pretty obvious by now what Jesus was truly saying in Matthew 7. We've come all the way down near the end of this episode, and I have never fully stated my position, but I'm sure you have caught my gist all the way. Jesus was not telling us that we can't ever make a judgment about something. He wasn't even telling us that we can't ever make a judgment about someone. He wasn't telling us that we can't discern between things. He fully expects us to make right decisions because he said that we are to do righteous judgment. The Lord is the one who gave us our mental faculties for a reason. Why would he give us understanding and discernment if it was wrong to use them? That's a good point. 
He gave us perception. He gave us comprehension. He gave us understanding, and he gave us discernment for a good reason. It's so we can make informed decisions and, if you will, make informed judgments. When Jesus told us to judge not, what do you think he really meant? I believe he was warning us against making harsh judgments. That's why he said that we would be judged by the same judgment that we meet out unto others. If you tell someone that they're wrong for being in adultery, don't get in adultery because you're going to be judged by that same measure. If you tell someone that you shouldn't be doing that, then you don't need to do that. If you tell someone you need to pray four hours a day, you judge them by a measure that God's going to require of you. Do you pray four hours a day? then keep your mouth shut. That's, right. <laughs> That's the best policy. So he's saying whatever you judge by, you're going to be judged by the same thing. This is why he goes on and he says in one of the gospels, it's by our words we will be justified or we will be condemned. To judge someone harshly is to be a negative person. So you think he was trying to tell us to not be a fault finder or one who enjoys pointing out other people's shortcomings? I totally do believe that. I believe that the Lord was telling us it's not our job to sit around and try to pick people apart and try to find fault with each other. I think what he was trying to tell us is we need to live our life for him, and the Lord will point out all of our failures at the judgment. Amen. Oh, did you catch that? Judgment. We will all face the judgment at the end. Let me read you a scripture to close with, Hebrews 9 and 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Uh-huh. In the book of Genesis, God is called the judge of all the earth. If God is going to hold us in a place called the judgment, and God is called the judge of all the earth, and if it's wrong to judge, it would be wrong for God to be God, for he's the judge of all. Amen. So is it wrong to judge? It depends on what your motive and your purpose is. If you're doing it just to make someone look bad and you to look good, judge not lest you be judged. That's right. But if you're trying to determine things, if you're just trying to decide if Chick-fil-A is better than KFC, that's not a wrong judgment. We sure hope you've enjoyed this special edition today. We had fun relaying God's word to you. But if you have a question, a Bible question that you would like answered, Drop us an email at dkministries1977 at yahoo.com. That's dkministries1977 at yahoo.com. We sure hope you've enjoyed the podcast today, sharing God's word. But until the next time, may God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in today. Lord willing, we'll see you Monday, beginning the book of Jonah. I can keep my soul feeling free I'll gladly bear the reproach, Lord For the gospel's sake Where I go, you've already been there Cause I'm walking in Jesus' name Well, I'm walking in Jesus' name I'm going where he bid me go I'm dressing and talking like he wants me to He's a keeper of my soul I have learned to lean on Jesus and cast on him my ever concern I'm looking for a home and glory where no sorrow will end